the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC 273 Breakdown, picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. We're back, baby. Yo, what's up? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom, analyst whose work you can find at MMA Junkies, as well as OddsCheckerUS.com. But on this here program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight. Whenever you're listening to this, hopefully it's before the fight. I am recording this in the wee hours of Thursday night, West Coast Pacific time uh, for UFC 273, which will be going down uh, uh, over on the uh, other end of the U.S. there in Florida. Um, Check the timestamp for when that breakdown starts from top to bottom, and as per usual, I will recap my picks and plays at the end of the episode from top to bottom. The timestamp should be in the uh, show notes. If you're on Apple Podcasts, thanks for the five-star ratings and reviews, or in the little details on the bottom, whatever the Fuck YouTube calls it there. Hi, YouTube. Thanks for the likes and subscribes. I don't deserve them, but it's Daniel Tom MMA if you want to give them. Um, going to try to expedite through a recap of just an explanation and a brief a hodgepodge recap of the events or any kind of notable things I miss. We'll look to keep that under 25, hopefully, and uh, we'll see how long the breakdown is. Because I'm excited to be back. It may not sound like it because... You know, uh, as I will briefly, hopefully, here explain, uh, it's just, you know, the world's just been kicking the shit out of me in 2022. Not as bad as other people in other parts of the world, clearly. I'm very privileged. Please do not mistake um, my tiny violin for even a moderate-sized violin here, believe me. Um, but yeah, 2022 definitely has not been fun, except for a couple highlights of like a concert, seeing some friends for UFC 272, which I'll shout, touch on, and recap that event here in this, uh, in this, in this first, uh, hodgepodge section, if you will. Um, but boy, believe me, I, 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 there ain't no free rides, baby. Um, I've been paying for it. Um, you know, uh, which is the reason why I do so much tape study, and I, I don't give out picks, and people kept asking me and asking me, and I appreciate you guys. I love y'all, but uh, I, I, I don't know how many, how many times I have to keep telling people, like, I, I'm, I'm on a, I've got serious stuff going on right now. I, I'm sorry, I don't have time to break down how Billy Buttfuck uh, is going to do against, uh, uh, you know, a Sammy Sodomy. Uh <laughs> Jesus, Dan, why do they both have to be anal penetrating names? Uh, anyway, you know, you get what I'm saying, I guess. Uh, but yeah, uh, love y'all. I'm not trying to hate, but yeah, you get what I'm saying. It This has been crazy, um, you know, aside from not having uh, lo- working laundry for over a month. Um, thank you very much, Samsung. Uh, learning how companies deal like that, deal with elder people, is just, just really crappy. Uh, speaking of which... Um, Looking into like you know just uh, you know, at least here in America I don't know how your countries work but like uh, I help caretake for people with disabilities and just getting into the taxes and applying things for my mother now um, uh, who's more recently with uh, aphasia which uh, should be more popularized now I guess with someone popular like Bruce Willis and the news and whatnot so I guess that's a you know a silver lining to that. But yes, uh, for those of you who know, my mother has that from a, a very bad stroke and brain aneurysm and da da da, da. 
Uh, anyways, and just been really depressed uh, learning about that world. But um, the submissions are in, so we're going to hope for the best there. We'll just leave that at that. But yeah, yeah a lot of, lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff going on, learning about a lot of depressing stuff. Uh, dealing with depression, whether it's mine or uh, other family members. Trying to be there for other family members' depression when you are, in fact, depressed. Always, always a fun challenge. Um, you know, uh, always, you guys know, always dog stuff. Nothing too serious. No dog fights, just, you know, that stuff. Always car stuff, you know. Uh, the steering wheel thing, amongst other things that I've been waiting, saving, uh, sitting on for well over a year now. Uh, finally getting some of those things on, and of course, you know, this person didn't send the bowls, this other person, uh, this airbag looks sketchy and could kill you, Dan, you might want to ask them about that, I'm like, that is a good question, I would, would seem obvious, but I'm sure they can answer it efficiently, and, and uh, it's been 36 hours of some really frustrating back and forth of me almost losing it, and kind of losing it, going all caps at certain points, trying to get p these people to, to, to answer this damn question, um, um, you know, you would think, you know, you don't want, uh, airbags are like a bomb, you know, you don't want a basic fender bender turning into a, a face altering slash death possible, uh, incident every time that not fun. Uh, so, you know, trying to, trying to figure that out, but hopefully we'll get my car back. Won't be with a steering wheel cause, uh, not safe enough for the place uh, that I took it to. And I got to get that sorted. By the way, and you guys are, are you know, do custom steering wheels. I have experience doing that, uh, whether physically or just, you know, going through the process as, as a Joe customer like myself. Uh, feel free to hit me up at DanTomMMA. Um, any suggestions, experiences you think I might find useful in that regard? Uh, you know, housing repairs, dealing with a lot of stuff. Um... Yeah, just a ton, man. Just, 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 just a ton, to the point where I just, and believe me, I didn't want to stop. Now, not just for you guys, for myself, man. This is how I feed myself. I don't make a lot of money, and the gambling definitely, the you know, it, it's plus money every year, and that plus money is is definitely helped and, and goes to some things. Um, so believe me, it, it hurts when you know the optional funds, let's say, or the dedicated work funds aren't coming in. Um, more so, uh, by the way, R.I.P. This is like the second or third time I'm recording it. I'm rusty, folks. R.I.P. Razor Ramon with that with that entrance. Um, music. I know it wasn't the normal uh, Dark Knight that you guys are used to. That would probably been more nostalgic. Would have been more of an ump. Probably would have been the the Stone Cold Steve Austin version of the song you just heard. Right? Yeah, it's kind of. Yeah, see where it connects there. Um, but. Um, but yeah, no, no, I wanted to, to, to pay some respects to, to Razor and, 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 and I wrote Dark Side of the Rings. I went on like a pro wrestling thing, all these stories, which by the way, a great series on Hulu. You don't have to uh, be a fan of wrestling to enjoy it. But I'm tying that back into uh, times you don't want to stop working is when you're negotiating. And remind me of a, one of the episodes, Brian Pillman, 90s wrestler from the era that I watched. Um it was more early 90s and into the Attitude area. Brian Pillman was kind of right in the middle of this blind spot. Um, although, who knows, I was probably still fucking crashing the backyard wrestling scene in my neighborhood at that point. Uh, <laughs> for shits and giggles. I used to be the friend that made fun of it and been like, wrestling's stupid. And then eventually, like, couldn't admit that I liked it. Um, 
and then eventually came around, right? But, uh, but yeah, R- R- Brian Pillman uh, was in contract negotiations where I kind of bridged off from you guys there a second ago. Um, and the worst time for things to happen for you, for you not to work, is when you're in mid-contract negotiation when you're trying to convince your employer for more money. And, uh, you know, Dan Tom, just really bad at advocating for himself, waits literally half a decade before even attempting this. And as I attempt it, um, yeah, of course, the... Uh, you know, shouts to my Jewish brothers and sisters. It's a great, uh, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to like wrestling to like dark side of the moon. You don't got to be religious to appreciate some rabbi wisdom, baby. But um, what's that old Jewish proverb like? And I'm sure every a lot of cultures have their own version of this. But what is it? A uh, man makes plan, God laughs. Um, so yeah, um, that really hurt. And now I have to. I missed kind of the window for that, and now I have to work my way back into it. That being said, I am incredibly grateful to have the employers that I have because, again, back to me being privileged, and, and I'm very grateful for where I'm at, so the, don't mistake the violin size here, believe me. Um, it's a very small table, and the pay's not great either, uh, so you could say that it's a premium in multiple ways to have these MMA media jobs. And there is no off-season, so when the machine breaks down, we break down. So if you don't show up and work, well, it's really easy to get pipped in this industry and someone to show up for you and take your spot. Plenty of people willing to take your spot, right? Um, so that being said, the fact that both my employers are willing to keep my ass around when I, I couldn't even give them a date at the time of when I'd be back, um, just amazing. So thank you to those of you uh, at Odds Checker and those of you at MMA Junkie. Um, again, not trying to play the violin. It just just sucks. Um, and if anything makes me feel better, although it makes me also feel sadder, and a bunch of other emotions, which is why I watched The Dark Side of the Ring, which was like a lot of the common threads was uh, like bad luck and injuries. Uh, injuries leading to a slew of bad luck. Vice versa, chicken into the egg kind of a deal were kind of the turning point in a lot of these stories. And without getting into my thing again, I'm very grateful. I'm not trying to fucking play violin. But yes, I've had a long slew of injuries. Um, not the greatest luck is in regards to health and getting back on track there, which leads to uh, physically, which leads to a breakdown kind of mentally and other things that I've, you know, I've had to go through. And to see very strong, successful people to go through versions of this, in all walks of life, and, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, maybe, maybe, I'm, you know, if you feel like, hey, maybe I'm not so crazy for, uh, you know, getting bummed out when I all of a sudden can't do the one thing that I tied my identity to or make my living through, right? Kind of makes sense, actually. Um, so, a lot of lessons in those stories, too. Um, and through that, uh, you know, tr- taking the time to, you know, uh, do things like actually play video games, played Hitman, played some Metal Gear Solid, baby. Um, you know, doing some of these things. Um, uh, you know, I was able to, to get some relaxing time, too, and, and as far as silver lining for the not getting paid and dealing with real-life shit. So I, 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 was, I, was, I was making room for that stuff, too, so don't get me wrong. Um, and I feel like... With the way my luck has been in 2022, outside of, you know, again, a couple cool moments uh, here or there, which I'm very grateful for. feel like that 
and uh, I don't want to say bad beats because again, I don't I don't rely on the beats. I don't rely on the value. Not hating for those that do. Not I've done it myself. Uh, not I'm just explaining my my approach and my outlook. Um, is that I I feel like I'm due, but at the same time, the reason why I do so much tape study. And I hope I didn't repeat this again. It's second or third time recording this. But the reason why I do so much tape study and put so much pressure on myself as well is because I, I can't. Uh, I can't rely on good beats, favorable beats, luck, or any of that sort because those of you been listening know that okay, either this guy is fucking committed to the bit or you can't make this shit up and he just has a weird string of luck. Despite being a lucky guy in a lot of other ways. Totally, 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 totally. But yeah, um... Yeah, even like when I was playing Counter Strike, right? It was stupid. I've taken like years off that game at a time, dumb. But still, I've been playing Counter Strike since about two thousand, roughly. So two thousand one. So it's over a twenty year sample size. And even when I'm at, it was at my best, like scrimming with like Cal League level type dudes back in the day. Um, and I'm, my style is much better for scrims. I'm more of a strafe shooter from the point of first person shoot. Like you give me a corner, fucking AK, tap 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 strafe, tap tap tap. Fucking tap out those fucking camping hopping bitches, baby. All day. All day, son. But y- y- I just play f- for fun now, and I'm a fucking old boomer, and I'm playing in casual games. So it's a little more chaotic, right? Not as much strategy. A lot of, you know, y- you got to look one way or the other, and you look one way, and, of course, that person's on the other. Those beats where y- you almost can't help, it just comes down to a 50-50. Like, disproportionately, through all the years and iterations... Always on those wrong beats. Always on those wrong beats. Just getting owned by guys that weren't skillful. And you go to, you can click to their, like, first person view. You can watch their players down. Be like, this person fucking sucks. Holy shit, if I rushed like they did, which I'm not a rusher, but if I did, oh my god, would I have been taxed like two corners ago? And this person is just like, willy nilly, barely aiming, um, fucking getting headshots. And, like, that's always been my experience. It's always been, like, super maddening, you know? Um, you know, the, the Super Bowl, you know, a less back to the bed, to round this back to the betting, you know, the Super Bowl thing where the person comes to the Super Bowl party, they don't even watch football and they cash, they cash all the squares and the grand prize at the, you know, at all the betting games at the party and like, I don't even watch this game. And like you and all your friends who follow football your whole life are just like, we're f- are fucking drawing dead for something you thought you had reads on. Like, yeah, that's, I, I, I feel you on that. I feel that that's. That's kind of how I feel when it comes to things pertaining to chance. So that's why I try so hard, which is silly and futile because we're talking about MMA, to try to mitigate those things and and do my due diligence and do it where you can. Also, big bettors follow me, and if you are betting with big money, uh, you should be doing that in some f- shape or form anyways, right? I mean, unless you just really... Have some endless cash flow. Don't give a fuck. Then I'll do what you want. It's your money. Um, but yeah, that's why, right? That's why. And we'll talk about, you know, being on the side of another Benoit Saint Denis, uh, Easy Dos Santos inside the distance with the uh, RDA inside the distance. And even though I took RDA straight up, thankfully, by the way, and it was still a winning night. But we'll, we'll talk. You know. It just it just sucks. I'm just like whenever it's like those things where the fight should have been stopped, um, or and I don't even use the robbery. I didn't then, and I, I don't feel as bad. So obviously I don't do it now. With like for example, uh, Macy Barber, uh, Miranda Maverick. But like, I hate that. Like, 
I can go back and name all the, you know, the Maximoff Soriano. Um, I can go back and name these things and be like, you know, things that like many people found egregious. Be like, I hate that I was on the wrong side of that, both picking and betting wise. Um, and how common that is for all like the egregious calls. And I'm like, if that's not fucking bad beats, I don't know what is. But here's the positive of that, folks. We're fucking back. It's time to turn all those around. You can't, you know, like Brandon Lee and the Crow. Wow, Dan, you're gonna really quote a. Speaking of, you know, another half uh, half Chinese guy with bad luck. <laughs> Like Brandon Lee said in The Crow, folks, can't rain all the time, baby. <laughs> um, and not that I'm a, I'm, I'm the biggest subscriber of that self-fulfilling, you know, uh, destiny thing, you know. Like, I always say that. You're just not thinking positive enough to your problem. You're not, you're not cultivating the world in which you want to live in. Like, b- buddy, if that was the case, all of us dudes would be a lot taller with a lot bigger dicks. <laughs> if it was that easy. You get what I'm saying. It, um, even though I'm not a subscriber to that, I, it, it, there is an importance of, of, of flipping to see the positive. So I recapped of the slew of fucking negative, but I'm done with the negative, man. I'm fucking done with it. I know we're still going to get bad beats. I know we're still going to get uh, just be outright wrong on some calls, right? Um, and I may get good beats, which I have gotten before, and I want to act like I don't, you know? Um, so all those things are at play, folks. But I'm ready to, to, to get after it because it can't rain all the time. And, um, yeah, between the money that I lost from being gone, the money that I potentially lost from the bets from being gone, and the definite money I, I, I lost from having to sit back and work, I'll have to work my way all the way back up to the negotiating table. Again, grateful to have jobs to even do so, but it is reality. Let's just say your boy is ready to make some fucking money. And get to the grindstone. I've been working out regularly. Uh, getting back into it, baby. The Dan Tom Dojo in the garage is coming together. You know, uh, we're almost there. We're almost there. We're almost getting ready to, to, to start hanging some punching bag racks. And hitting the kettlebells. Shadow boxing. It's going down. Converting my girlfriend. Getting her to throw some punches. It's happening, baby. We're doing it. We're doing it. We're moving in the right direction. I love y'all. Uh, R.I.P. to Razor Ramon. Hit me up, you steering wheel junkies, if you guys know anything about that stuff, like I said. Um, uh, video game people who love Hitman or Metal Gear Solid, like I'm talking to my dude, uh, uh, Scott Fontana. Uh, just, you know, uh, going down a stealth. We're going down a, a stealth a uh, stealth video game, uh, you know, memory lane there. Uh, hit me up at Dan Tom MMA. Um... Shouts, uh, well, I'll do that cleanup at the air. UFC 272 recap. All right, it's about 19. We'll try to do this expedited recap in like 10 here. All right, um, Covington defeated Masvidal. Not much to say there. I think I stayed away from it, didn't I? Yeah, Uh, I went, um, eight and five overall. UFC 272, one and oh, in parlay pieces, one and one straight plays, two and oh, in props. One in, in eight in round flyers, but he just need one of those, baby. We were finally due for one, so there was that, you know, hey. Um, I'm just bummed I didn't give it out on the podcast. I only tweeted it and talked about it on Aaron Bronstetter's pre-show. Shout out to my guy Aaron Bronstetter, TSN MMA show. Dosanya uh, defeated Hato Moicano. Of course, that should have been stopped. Um, 
not as egregious as like we'll talk about like Ortega or like Volkanovski. I'm not trying to like scream or whatever, but you know, hearts out to people with the inside the distance ticket. I had one. Thankfully, I also had uh, Rafael dos Anjos money line. Um, so that cash, but you know, the inside the distance rounds three, four, and five, that really would have been nice. But, uh, again, of course, when a fight is not going to be stopped, you bet your ass I'm on the side of, uh, you know, of that. But, uh, Bryce Mitchell defeated Edson Barbosa. I really should have stuck with my gut and went with Mitchell. Not sure what, what, what swayed me on Barbosa. I will say, uh, I only took those really small round two and three sprinkles. And if memory serves, he did, like, hit Bryce Mitchell with, like, a, a knee or something, a good knee, and, like, have moments in those two rounds and not a moment in round one if memory serves. So for whatever that's worth, not much because they didn't cash. Kevin Holland defeated Alex Oliveira. I stayed away from this one. Um, I, I, I think just the inflated line kept me away, even though I did agree and slash pick Holland. Uh, Spivak defeated Greg Hardy. was really worried about this. I mean, you know... Uh, really worried about this again. These contender series fighters that shouldn't be there, um, and it's like for multiple reasons, analysis, and, and and not just arguably better for their career that they don't win. Like all these things align from rare things to hardline things, uh, and I would just lose like, the Gregory Rodriguez. Um, what do you call Petrosian? Uh, you know Barber Maverick uh, Maximoff Soriano, um, and. Uh, uh, shout out to my guy Clint, uh, diehard MMA. Um, I think, I think whenever I see him on certain, I know he'll like fake contender series people. We've talked about this before, and I'll see him on uh, whenever I see him on certain sides. I'm like, oh shit! I I, I think he was on those, and I'm like, as I think I think I saw him and some other people, like people I respect as well that I was with. But, uh, yeah, so I just saw, like, a good number of people um, that I respected on Hardy. I'm like, oh, fuck. I'm, watch, this is going to be the one where he just comes out and just stupid KO power, right? Like, this is the way I would lose. Oh, fuck. I was dreading this fight coming up, folks. So I was really happy when Spivak won. Uh, much respect to the people that were on the opposite side. Or no disrespect, I should say. But uh, I was like, oof, because I was sweating it. I just saw all the signs, right? And then it was also coming off of a loss, too, because uh, the, uh, before this fight was the final undercard fight, which was uh, Mr. Turner, Jalen Turner, defeating Jamie Malarkey. And I love Jalen Turner. He looked great. Uh, Malarkey looked like he, you know, he fought for the money, but just you know, was kept getting hurt. And uh, Turner's good, man. Um, you know, so uh, apologies for people that follow me on, on that dog play there. Um Marina uh, Rodriguez, I did end up adding her by decision for fun, and she ended up defeating Yan Jianan. I wasn't watching too closely. I was pretty fucked up. We were, like, sitting at the table. Um, shouts to we uh, Wes Colvin, at your UK fan. Uh, Lance Fischel, of course, those guys was great, hanging out with those dudes that over at Blondie's. Um, but, yeah, it looked like it was much more competitive from what I was uh, – maybe even controversial from what I – read and heard from people that I respect. It wasn't as controversial as I may have thought, but you know me, I still try to tweet out there like, hey, like I, I, I've tweeted sympathies or something to the on betters or something, and I still mean that, you know. I'm not trying to like, you know, uh, it, you know, uh, I try to admit the beats when I get them. Um, but then there are some fights, which I'll, I'll compare it uh, with another fight. Someone asked about that. I think Jerry H, shouts to Jerry H, had a question about a fight. About like, uh, but there are some fights where it's like um, I, I would compare to, and this wasn't the one he asked about, but I'm gonna bring this up later. There, that Menafield and William Knight, Thick Willie fight, for example. 
um, where it's not a great fight, you know, um, or anything, but, like, I remember, you know, people were like, oh, you got lucky with that one. I'm like, I, I don't think that that counts as a beat. I'll admit when I get the beats, but, I mean, it wasn't a great fight. It wasn't anything you can't be too strong on either side, but it, I don't think it was, like, a, the craziest beat in the world, like, or anything like that. Um, Nikol- uh, Nikolai... Uh, Nigga Marianu have defeated Kenny Ninchiku. My, my, by the way, I forgot to say this on the podcast, but I'm like, especially it's a lot more apropos, closer to the, uh, there's always a Rogan thing, it would seem. But uh, and my favorite thing about listening to people uh, pronounce uh, Nikolai uh, Nigga Marianu's name is like everybody taking that second beat because they're worried about like getting Joe Rogan. <laughs> like, I don't want to end up like Joe Rogan mispronounced this and they think I'm saying something else. I feel like this is this uncomfortable pause. Watch every time someone he fights, there's like a, even like commentary, like they're like, uh, uh, and then they'll like switch and start going Nikolai because they don't want to get, they don't want to get hung up and pause too long uh, looking for the next syllable or something, you know? <laughs> I don't know why I find that stuff like that funny. Um, I didn't look into this fight, but it just made so much more sense the more I thought about it, and I'm so mad that I didn't tell you guys in the podcast, because not a, a lot of people tailed, and it was the biggest hit of the night. Um, it pretty much guaranteed pretty much guaranteed a winning night, uh, because um, Marina Moroz was an underdog to Agapova, and I didn't necessarily think that should be true. Uh, Agapova showed the ability to hit hard counters. But she's such a wild woman that she could be winning and have lost the fight. And Moroz showed a propensity to go for more takedowns um, and has just the WMMA armbar thing if Agapova ends up on top or takes her down or she fails and ends up on her back. Um, so I figured armbar dart for sure. And I looked at, I don't know what Moroz by sub was, but I think like people I was with, uh, Lance or Wes or Brad maybe even from Canada, cashed that. And a lot of them were on the Moreau's sub. I forget. It was funny, though. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, Lance was on. Someone was on sub. Um, someone had Moreau's, like, money line or in a part or, or something like that, money line, or just because it was a dog. And then I had, I just uh, went to bed online. And I sprinkled um, sub round one, sub round two, sub round three, because it was, like, 2,500, uh, 2,700, and 3,000 or something. And then I think, what was it, like, round two? So it was, like, plus 2,700 or something stupid. Uh, and yeah, all I had to do is you put like, what, like 17 bucks on each of those at that rate, you know what I'm saying? Or something like that, something stupid like that, or 20 bucks of just 20 bucks. You don't want to see again on each round. And if that hits and Oh, so that was really nice. I just wish I thought of it sooner so that it, it made more than just Aaron's pre-show and my Twitter bet posts, which I'm trying to do more of and better of. Uh, and then I go and take a break. I know folks, but I'm, I'm going to get back to that, uh, that recent trend I started. Uh, Umar Namagamayat made off, defeated Brian Kelleher, did not watch this one. Tim Elliott defeated Tajir Olambekov. Uh, shouts to my, my guy Tony C, he, he, he requested a uh, recap of that one. I believe I gave him my thoughts of that fight. Um, but uh, but yeah, I I think I rewatched that one. But yeah, I could totally see... Uh, did I rewatch this one? Yeah, 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 I did. Yeah, I... Man, I'm the whole, you're not cheating, you're not trying. That's how I got trained and raised and that. But even me, I'm like, that's a lot of fucking cheating by Tim Elliott. I'm not hating on anybody that cashed that. Uh, because, again, uh, even though my heart's out to cheer, I, I, I thought he did enough to win, to be honest. But, um, uh, you know, 
I don't like to use the robbery word or anything, but I just will say sympathies to people who who, who lost out on that. Uh, and I definitely don't want to add, not try to you know add in. So again, I'm, I was with him. I picked Tajir. Thought he won after the fact w- with y'all. Uh, I will say though, because I did say this before, not trying to play revisionist history. Tajir's style, which is why I avoided him, is that he was gonna leave the door open to get a decision stolen from him. Where, you know, again, um, you can nitpick at some of the wording and i definitely will in regards to grappling um as far as the judging criteria but um i don't disagree with the interpretations and trends of moving toward the fighter doing the more damage or as they word in the judging criteria impact because i think we would all argue with that right it's a fight um so you know that that is the danger of a backing guy like back off i did pick him i did score it for him my heart's with y'all but that is just something to be aware of, right? Um, and, and Tim Elliott fucking vetted it out, man. He snaked one. He definitely snaked one. Um, Ludovic Klein defeated Devontae Smith. Props people that were on that one. Uh, I, I avoided it. Good thing I did. I think I technically picked Smith. I just, I, I just didn't know what to make of Klein up the weight short notice. Jacoby came through as a parlay piece, which was nice. I believe I had him with... Uh, Spivac, because what could go wrong with parlaying big guys, right? Um, thankfully, uh, he did his normal drop one, pick up two. Maybe he'll get like some bullshit five rounder uh, fluff, which wouldn't be exciting, but I think he would be good for his style, Jacoby. Otherwise, he's always uh, sweating the, the margin of a round or so uh, for what that's worth. Um, but yeah, it was an awesome night. Good thing out those guys. Glad I, I cash. I definitely needed to. Uh, already, already burnt out, uh, burnt through, uh, what I cashed that night. Uh, next was, uh, Santos and Uncle Live. I actually had a main card breakdown out for that one. Um, that was, this was, this was the week I had to kind of pull up last minute, um, toward the end. Um, but yeah, I, I played Magomed Clive inside the distance. Little did I know he was determined to go to decision. And, um, I feel like it. The uh, you know even though that was not popular and I obviously was not a fan of that clearly, um, you should blame just as much Tiago Santos and I should blame myself for not seeing that Tiago Santos since his knee injury is just doing this thing where he's just scaring guys with counters he doesn't want to doing anything. Um, you know his knees aren't 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 good enough to wrestle or 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 kick uh, the way he used to and uh, yeah so he's just gonna just. Try to scare people off with wild counters and make for really fucking boring fights with his chest out. It sucks. Song Yudong defeated Marlon Moraes. I picked Yudong, but that, that just sucked to see. I really felt for Marlon. Uh, Yusuf defeated Caceres uh, by decision. Um, Roundtree defeated Roberson. Uh, Dober McKenney. That was a nice cash. Needed, needed that that night. Uh, Pajeda defeated Bruno Silva by decision. Selsberger, uh, defeated Fletcher. Uh, Aldridge, Robertson, Basharat, Trevin Jones, uh, Damon Jackson, Walt Goggins defeated Kamala Kumuela Kirk. Uh, Miranda Mavic defeated Sabina Mazo. Uh, Brundage defeated Dolce Laljambula. I don't want to just keep reading results here. I was just seeing if there's anything that was, like, kind of worth talking about. Not too much on that card. Then it was the uh, Volkov Aspinall, and uh, I love my, my my brothers and sisters across the pond, man. There's some really good media members, fans. The crowds are great, but boy, was this fucking 
Uh, and I know it was overdue because y- y'all didn't have a, a UFC card for a minute. But oh my gosh, was just the bias of flowing. Uh, that, that is a th- and, it, and and again, not hating like, uh, but it just whenever it comes to UK coverage from fans' perspective, judges, media, there is a thick, thick bias you got to cut through. And Americans, uh, as a country people, I as an individual have biases too. I'm no better. Um, and again, it's not a bad thing. They're some of my favorite media people who are, are, are from that part of the world. I shout them all the time. Uh, Sean Sheehan does great work. Simon Head. You want to talk about English people who aren't biased you know, toward, toward their own? Follow, follow uh, at Combat CHR, Kyle McLaughlin. I mean, he will, he, he will call, you know, he, he has his opinion there. His opinion is not dictated by stuff, you know, at, I crap on the judges, which to to be fair for boxing and MMA, um, some awful hometown biased decisions we've seen, or just awful decisions outright. However, you got like one of the best judges. If you had to put a gun in my head, Ben Cartledge, he's from that side of the pond. So again, I'm not un- hating, much less unfairly hating here. Uh, I'm just calling a spade a spade as far as the bias being strong. You know, we heard it with all the crowd talk, right? You know, uh, and then and then and don't get me wrong, because then I had to hear we had to hear you know all the Americans go. We're about our crowds. We're more uh, just because we're not out of sync. We're more racist, <laughs> which is not an actual talking point, but it it, it would be in my in my fucked up head because it's true. Uh, but no, no, they're all they're all pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> In that regard. No, just kidding. But, uh, yeah, American crowds are pretty bad. But, you know, hearing Americans go, you know, oh, well, you know, we're, we're not allowed to get, you know, excited. We call this or then It's like, oh, Jesus. And there wasn't a lot of mention of, like, Mexico, Brazil, Korea. Uh, some of the loud loudest crowds. I'm like, well, well where are the uh, POC crowds getting love? But I know we're in London. I get it. But I feel like it just became, a, you know. At least my timeline was like American crowd, London crowd. Like, oh my, you relax, folks. Um, we had uh, Aspinall defeating Volkov. That was really surprising. I I I, I picked Volkov there. Um, didn't think it'd be that easy. Volkov just fucking inconsistent at this point. Just not sure I can really even pick him. Um, Allen defeated Hooker. Did not see it going that way. Um, I think I might actually pick Dan Hooker for an upset. Uh, uh, at least ta- top master. I've still been submitting my top master picks. So I'm just going off of that, folks. Uh, Patty Pimblett defeated Kazula Vargas. Uh, saw that one coming. Um, I know everyone wants to fade Pimblett, but like you, you got to wait for the right match. And it's funny, like not much mentioned, even from people who want to fade him. But of course, everybody who's saying that he's wholesome or marketable. And it's funny, like yes, Patty Pimblett deserves more fighter pay, uh, more pay. They all deserve more pay. Um, but it, and, and 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 yes, his was surprising. I'm not denying any of these facts, folks. But it's just funny to like, you know, like the, who we choose. Surprise, surprise. Um, uh, who's marketable? Anglo white blonde. Uh, you know, um, and and uh, and whatnot, and then how people like it's just. You know, forget that this guy is like, he keeps saying really problematic stuff in regarding immigration. Um, especially right now during these times. Like, you know, a lot of refugees, and he's like talking shit about actual refugees that aren't. And you can't even say it's like, what was it, Mohammed Makayev? He's like, you can't even say it's like because we're divisions or 
or this or that. Uh, we're in the same division. We aren't. It's like we're not even going to compete against each other. He's just saying that I don't have a right to fucking represent Britain and this and that, even though he actually has citizenship there. Um, and then what are this other stuff he said about the Georgians, about, you know, uh, making fun of their genocide or saying some shit like that? Like, oh, my God, dude, like fucking s- super s- fucking, uh, you know, sketchy shit. Uh and, uh, yeah, but, hey, you know, that's, um, that seems to be who we promote, right? That, that's the, that's, that's the deal, uh, I guess. Um, cause, you know, his, his skill level isn't, isn't anything, like, crazy to write home about. I, I do appreciate that he gets fat between fights. Like, of course, my, you know, uh, chubby-cheeked ass appreciates seeing him all chipmunk-cheeked between fights. That is endearing, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, we'll talk about uh, Hamzad. It's, you know, it's, I, 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 it could be a lot more of a fan of this guy, you know, like like with Hamzad, if he, you know, didn't tell black guys like Kevin Holland, uh, call them the help, and say, uh, again, racially charged bullshit. Um, <laughs> if they could just maybe not be... Anyways, I know it's a big ask, big ask, but yeah, Patty Pimblet won. Gotta have my due diligence to say those things, because that's another thing, like... Not having the podcast, you don't have a fucking wisecracking asshole like myself saying all the shit that nobody wants to or is is too afraid to. Um, you have that too. So, hey, welcome back. Guess who's back? Back again. Yes, he's back. He's got no friends. Uh, uh, Gunnar Nelson also was back, defeated Takashi Sato. Tried his hardest, I guess you could say, but... Uh, didn't get that sub. I, I definitely sprinkled on, on on that. Sorry if you guys asked me what my plays. I wasn't. If I did sprinkle on, I I wasn't giving them out. It was just irresponsible. It would have been losing, and that's what I was trying to keep telling you guys. Um, who kept messaging me, and I appreciate. It. I love you all, but it was just like I got got shit going on, man. I'm not gonna again. I got I. I hate giving out plays after I research them with all the fucking forces that be in the universe, right? Uh, much less if I willy-nilly it, which, you know, was not great. Thankfully, I was playing small and fucking off the record since, hey, I didn't even get a database or fucking bet record set up anyways in time this year and took time off, so now all my records are fucking not going to be representative of the year. Sorry, I'm like a completist. This, this really gets on my nerves. Just got to push forward, Dan. Molly McCann defeated Luana Carolina. Chaos winning back for I McCann by decision. And I had uh, Nelson by submission, you know? Again, like, those are the, the back the whole time. Can't get a submission the guy that always gives up subs. And W, of course, there's a KO. Of course, the KO spinning back elbow of the year comes in a W MMA fight as it's on the verge of going to decision in the third round. When the fighter who gets the KO is actually looking tired right before that. I mean, you know, the, the probability is just too high for that to happen. Um... It's okay. We're again. We're gonna. We're gonna be getting these beats back now. This, this can't rain all the time. Elia Taporia defeated Jai Herbert. Oh my gosh! It looked like I, I didn't play. He got too inflated. But I feel like my whole timeline was on Taporia, so I was praying for all y'all. And it looked like he was gonna drop the ball and then came back. Poor Jai Herbert, man. Uh, Mahwan Amirhani defeated uh, Mike Grundy. Uh, it was really fast. Wow. Um, I can't even remember what I picked in that fight. I stayed away. That felt like. Um, a real Twitter fight of the night. Pavlovich defeated a Dagestani Randy Couture. Uh, Paul Craig, baby. Fuck yeah. Craig by submission. That's probably the only bet I cashed that night. Uh, it was a good card. I mean, no, 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 it was a good card. Paul Craig, baby. 
Um, Jack Shore Valley it was a great fight. Excuse me. Reed McKenna, I don't even remember. Uh, Makai of Durden, that, that, that was good. That was good. Um, Durden had to go home after that, did he, did he not? Next card um, was Blades and Dawkus over in Columbus. Um, yeah. Blades defeated Dawkus. Grasso defeated uh, Wood. Uh, Barbarina defeated Brown. France defeated Askarov. I, th I think my guy, uh, Jerry H., asked about this. He thought Askarov won, I believe. And a lot of people did. And if they would have given it to him, I wasn't watching closely, but like I, I wouldn't have been blown away or cried robbery if they get did get it to Askarov. However, again, according to the criteria, I think it came down to that third round. I think everybody's in agreement of that. And again... I don't think Askarov was able to get the back meaningfully uh, in that round. I know he did th in one of the rounds throughout the fight. And even if he did that round, it was still ultimately a lot of cage pushing. He didn't secure takedown, secure control, which would lead to strikes, passing, and submission attempts. Those are the things that you should be grading um, and aren't graded enough. But again, if you're just pushing against the fence, a la my reference earlier, Menafield Knight, um, it doesn't take that much. And it was opposite of the Metafield. It was the same as Metafield Knight, but opposite. It was the same principle, but the opposite in activity. Metafield Knight was the principle of scoring criteria, pushing against the cage versus actual damage, but the very bare minimum of it, because both of the guys barely did shit, but you gave it to the one guy who actually landed a few jabs and some solid strikes compared to the guy pushing against the fence not getting anything done, right? Whereas Askarov, Kai Car France, was, of course, the flyweight, hyperactive version of that, where both guys were busy, but ultimately, it was a lot of window dressing strikes designed to be a means to an end, uh, if any, that land for Askarov as far as what accounted for his, air quotes, significant strikes. A lot of pushing against the fence. Now, I picked Askarov to win this fight, folks. Uh, um, I wouldn't have been mad if they gave it to him, but if you're asking for my honest opinion, I do think they made the right decision uh, in giving it to Kai Kara France. It wasn't by a landslide, so by that nature, if it would have gone the other way, you cannot cry robbery. I wouldn't have been surprised, per se, but I, I do agree for what it's worth. Unfortunately, for my pick and for your guys' plays, I don't. I apologize. I'm, that's why you come. You'd rather have me be honest, right? That's why you come here. Um, so I, I could have a different opinion if I rewatched it, and I have not. So bear that in mind. So don't take my opinion... Um, like it's, you know, set in stone, uh, God's testament over here, okay? But that is what it is if you're asking me of it. Uh, for a fight I technically did see. Neil Magni defeated Max Griffin. Um, don't necessarily disagree, but who, who, I wasn't watching closely. Could feel different on rewatch. Um, DKC defeated Borshev. Uh, had a feeling that could happen, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just... just I, mean, I think it was more just that losing skid. And again, I didn't tape any of these fights, so I just kind of was just picking through. Um, I didn't play that fight, thankfully, but I, I'm, I'm going off my picks through uh, Top Master there. Um, Sarah McMahon defeated Carol Hosa. Uh, Chris Gutierrez defeated Dana Bakari. Um, Kizriev defeated Tululin. Fioro uh, defeated Maya. Uh, Maya made that much more competitive, I believe, than the, I gave her round two. Um, than what the commentary, uh, I believe, was giving. No, no shot on commentary, just saying they were just kind of got caught on talking to Fiero. Um, Nikolaou defeated Dvorak. I agree with that. Saldana defeated Souza. Okay. 
All right, I went longer than I wanted to, 43 minutes, but let's just jump into the breakdown, shall we? Maybe we'll go, actually, maybe we'll make it up in the breakdown, who knows? All right, uh, 43, 53, all right. Um, oh, yeah, shouts to Verbal Tap, MMA Analysis. I, I owe the Verbal Tap, guys. I bought the ranch water. I haven't had time to get drunk, man. Um, aside from the concert where I got too drunk, and I wasn't going to go get more drunk, but I, I'm going to get you guys hopefully this weekend. Shouts to Steve G, Jerry H, Rob G, Tony C, Mark F, Sizhawk, a.k.a. Jizhawk, baby, Ramundo M, and uh, many other y'alls. Uh, if I didn't get to you, uh, UFC 273, 44-22. Uh, headline by Alexander Volkanovsky, minus 720 uh, for the featherweight title, opposite challenger Chan Sung Jung, plus 500. Main event breakdown up on Junkie. Uh, picking Volkanovsky, surprise, surprise. We saw him uh, solve a similar stylistic threat. Again, MMA is more game of matchups to me, ultimately, at the end of the day. Um, for meaningful analysis and the way I go about things for, for myself. So, yeah, uh, we saw him uh, do a similar matchup. That being said, the uppercut is going to be super potent and worth watching out for. He got dropped by uppercut against Max in round two, hit uh, by uppercuts more than that in that fight, as well as um, a decent clip of uppercuts uh, by, again, um, Ortega in his last fight. Due to his stature and dipping nature, it's just a shot that's kind of going to inherently be there, especially a guy that can time it like Volkanovski. If the upset happens, it'll be sparked off via an uppercut, I believe, or maybe just a clean right hand if he can get a read on a jab. Volkanovski's, you know, kind of done that shoulder turn where he thinks he's safe and been hitting with head kicks or kind of right hands that would come through. Um, perhaps it's one of those mistakes, but yeah, it's really going to have to be a time counter right hand. It's just Volkanovski, I'm sure you, you guys are sick of hearing it. He's good at this thing called fainting. I'm sure you've heard. And fainting helps mitigate counters to a significant degree, especially if you're doing it like Volkanovski, changing your looks, changing your levels, changing your targets, changing your stances, subtly, obviously, stepping through, and the like. Um, if he does decide to go for takedowns or gets taken down or is involved in any sort of scramble, I like his chances there because he uh, has good head position. It's something I watch for. Uh, anybody that fights Brian Ortega wears their head position. Volkanovski keeps good head position. You can even hear his head coach. Everybody else tweets, uh, Eugene Behrman. Someone's like tweeting like, oh, Eugene Behrman's here. He's going to be in his corner. He's not his fucking head coach, folks. He's not his head gym. His head coach is Joe Lopez. Freestyle MMA, all right? <laughs> and that's the guy you can hear in the corner always telling Alexander Volkanovsky, Volkanovsky to check his head position because it's really fucking important in these kind of fights. So he will be especially a saving grace for Volkanovsky in this fight as Volkanovsky did his whole camp again at home in Australia at Freestyle MMA, not his sister gym. City kickboxing, where his connection there is Brad Riddell. Although Behrman, yes, is in his corner, and he obviously has a connection with him. I'm not saying he doesn't. I'm just saying, this is not, stop making like, like fucking Eugene Behrman come as the Midas touch. And you, you just got to get you a drop, and whatever it touches is fucking gold, baby. Like, there's other people in the process. Let's, let's fucking chill. Um, shouts to Anik for always making sure to reference Coach Lopez instead of like the just disgusting. Um, amount of credit 
And Bearman seems awesome, by the way. It's not that he doesn't deserve it. It's just, unfortunately for him, he became what's hot a couple years ago, and then people will just default and suck dick that general direction. Um, but yeah, you guys missed all the fucking perverted talk, didn't you? You know you did. Um, but I'm a big fan of Chance and Jung, so I wouldn't be mad. That being said, I did play Alexander Volkanovsky. Uh, one of the bigger plays on the card, I guess, inside the distance, plus 160. Uh, he should have got the finish last time. It was gross. Um, shouts to uh, Southpaw Podcast. Uh, my guy Jason Sargas and uh, Sam Yang. Great podcast we did still. Uh, very, very rarely am I unabashedly so proud of, of things, and that was a really good one. And, uh, again, we talked about, again, what many people don't, um, and the fact that that fight should have been stopped, both by the rules because – Ortega um, needed help off the cage. You can't help someone off their, um, off the mat. Uh, it should be called a la Eric Anders, Tiago Santos, right? Um, but her, it was Herb Dean, of course, and he acts like he looks looking, but he clearly is only retaining like 10% of the direction he's staring in and missed that. And I do wonder what it would have been like if they, like, like Anders, um, he collapses against the cage on the opposite end of his corner. Ortega was fortunate enough to collapse where his actual corner was, so they only had to literally just uh, spatula him off the floor, and he was already on the uh, bench or whatever, right? Stool. Um, so that was gross. And then you had you got you know um, he gets hurt again in round four. Uh, this time stopping in round three. Time to stop it at the end. It should have been stopped by the rules. Corner could stop it round three. Uh, instead, he goes. He takes more of a beating. And then Tiki says, this is called earning it, Brian, which is fucking awful advice. Awful thing to say. Um, and then you have the doctor come in, and Brian, he's, he's clearly going the wrong way. You have that, that clip of Herb Dean fucking coaching coaching him to say the wrong thing, even though the doctor says he doesn't like the answers. Then Herb Dean goes back and coaches what he wants said to him. Um, Right? That was at the end of round three, or coming into round four. And then one thing I missed, what are we up to, like four or five now, just alone, what I just fucking riddled off off the top of my head? Uh, there was yet another time where it should have been stopped that I missed. And I wrote, um, and reference this fight, uh, another fight that came up under the tape study of this card. Go go to Sam Hughes versus Tisha Torres. Um, yeah, that uh, that like because you know, and DC calls it out. You know, they're trying to be polite and and not call the fighter asking for a way out. And DC goes, "No, you can hear Sam Hughes go. No, I can't see." And she says it vocally, and they stopped the fight and did the right thing. It is 10 times way more obvious if you go back and I believe it's right before round five and you see Brian Ortega because at this point, the corner don't give a shit. They've had at least two corner times. Yeah, they've had two corner times to stop it now and they haven't. Um, they've had two 45-second intervals and, and there is no hope. Um, only demonstration if you got to earn it, Brian. This is called earn it. Like, like he didn't earn it already. Um so, of course, Ortega's not going to ask for his corner for help, but he, he tells uh, Herb Dean that he uh, he can't see. And Herb's like, what? You can't what? He goes, oh, I can't, I can't. And he's like, he makes an excuse, like, hoping he's going to get the doctor in or something to, to stop it. And, of course, Herb just kind of blows him off. And, like, he you, you could see it. He tries to uh, just go back and watch it. He tries to ask for fucking help. It's not an ask for help. It's how a fighter asks for help. So there's, there's presumption off the surface level of what I'm saying, but those who know, know. 
He was he was fucking asking for help. Fucking made me sick going back to watch that fucking bullshit. Anyways, Alexander Volkanovsky should have got a stop last time. He's aiming to get a stop this time, and that's what I played. Uh, next fight, uh, Petr Jan minus four seventy five. Aljamain Sterling plus. 350. You know, I was going to make a joke like, you know, do the Fantasy Jewish Fight League. I was going to do like a Fantasy Chinese Fight League. You know, like, and do like Kevin Lee, Peter Yan, you know, and just with their last names. But like, I saw some shit out there. Like, Yan might be actually part Chinese, which makes sense. I mean, you run, you run deep into those regions, right? You're in the continent of Asia. You're getting into, you know, Mongolia and all these things. Like, I got... I got, like, Peter Yan-looking family members, man. I, I got a, a bunch of half-Chinese, half-white family members who look pure Caucasian or, like, almost Russian and Mongolian. Um, you know, granted, my, my grandma was a popo popo doris, was a, was a hottie back in the day. We almost had the guys whistling there, so maybe it's not a coincidence that my aunts and uncles all look a little different from each other. But that's besides the point. The point is, the, <laughs> the point is, Asia and Russia, there's a bit of a mix there, right? Um, but I'm like, yeah, they, that would never get talked about. Um, and, and not just for the, you know, uh, soup du jour. I know we all like to pick on America's racism and this and that, which is very true. Uh, but, uh, you know, according to people from that part of the world over there too, shouts to my guy, uh, Izzy, uh, sounds like there's a lot of racism, uh, over there too. So I don't know if, uh, you know. I don't know how much uh, that Russian culture would encourage Peter Yan uh, bumping his chest uh, for some Chinese representation. He's always holding up Russian flag. Obviously, that's his nation, and that's what he identifies as. So I'm not going to make assumptions, but I could see it. I could see him, you know. Um, you know, but if he is Chinese, then he can't be part of the fantasy Chinese fight league, right? That because that disqualifies you. It's, if you're Jewish, you can't be a part of the fantasy Jewish fight league. You, you, the gimmick is you have to have a Jewish sounding last name and look completely non stereotypically Jewish. Although, you know, Semmelsberger could, I could see him, you know, sneaking into a mitzvah. Uh, but anyways, uh, we're on, <laughs> Jesus, Dan, wow. Um, yeah, one of the powerful pound greats, Peter Yan. Uh, Sterling's gotten a lot of shit, um, and I think it'd be hilarious if he won. Although, again, even though I, I like Chan Sung Jung, I think it'd be hilarious if Sterling won. And I, 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 for, for a madness point of view, it'd be, it'd be great. Um, uh, boy, would I be eating it on that tweet that I, like, had to mute that caught fire. Where I said uh, UFC 273 is going to be a rude awakening for people who confidently, keyword confidently, you shouldn't confidently list anybody in a fucking mythical, subjective thing like pound for pound, but much less, you know, Usman be your guy. And I do think that'll still kind of hold true um, regardless of results this weekend. But we'll see as, as I say that. And, you know, we'll test it. If I am the bad beat king, folks, I just jinxed uh, Volkanovsky, Jan, and Khamshat uh, Shemaev uh, with my tweet there, right? So we'll see if uh, I, I, in fact, did that. But I, I'm picking Peter Young this time. I picked Sterling last time. Uh, it's because we didn't have the answers. Um, I didn't give... I don't even know. Because I, 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 I fucking pretty much, like, you could accuse me of jerking off Peter Young. I accuse other people of jerking off these other, you know, Russian or Dagestani fighters, I should say, in, in, in some other cases. Um, so it's not like I, I downgraded him or anything. I just took a flyer on Sterling for the on-paper edge. We didn't know if it was going to translate physically. Some smarter people like my, uh, than myself, like uh, the Ed Gallows of the world, uh, were, were much more confident in that. Shouts to Ed. Um, but I took a flyer on Sterling because they were in the smaller cage. We saw how that worked out, and yeah, that's right. Uh, I should have known better. The guy who always preaches hand fighting uh, and grip disruption and wrist controls, that, yeah, wrist control would be like the... Uh, stylistic antithesis there for a guy like 
Sterling, who has a sticky style of grappling and prefers the body lock. Chaining to and from, excuse me. And that is what we saw as Peter Yan uh, dominated the wrestling portions. Um, that being said, uh, as some of the clips I, I laid out, um, I know pacing is the main adjustment everyone's calling for, and I do talk about that in my breakdown. But another one, um, I hate writing rematches. They're so hard. I, I can't just cheat and talk about people's style and stick to my lame, boring format that it's become, you know, makes it at least easier for me to work through. Uh, you got to think a little bit more in rematches. And uh, one of the things I came to was making a case for Sterling, even though I did not pick him, was the fact that I still think he should be grappling. I still think he should be shooting for takedowns, even as much as he got shut down. Because not just the old DC, well, now he's got the takedown in his head. It's going to make the striking more effective, which you could definitely argue was the case. Because you saw Peter Yan, he wasn't getting hit with as many flying knees, and the knees definitely didn't have as much stick into him. Because uh, what he fought Corey Sanhagen is because he kept his posture disciplined in that fight, if you notice. Because Sanhagen, even though he did try to flip the script sometimes with some takedowns, um, not the same level of takedown threat or consequential threat um, as Sterling. So with Jan, both the striking defense and his propensity to get him to dip was a lot easier when he faced Sterling. And it makes sense. It should be. Um, so Sterling needs to make sure to keep that dynamic open. But uh, also that, you know, Akin to Damian Maya or, or or Big Nog, um, you can make you can make a career off of uh, you know uh, fail shots. Now Sterling doesn't need to make a MMA career out of it like those guys did, but he, he if he can use it in a fight, that's all he needs, right? To retain this would be the biggest win of his career, undoubtedly. Um, which is to say that whether you're the successor or the initiator, even if you're not the initiator or you're not the successor, uh, grappling begets more grappling. And as we see, and I believe it's like round two or round one, at the end of round one, possibly, uh, I think Ian takes Sterling down and like re reverses uh, an entanglement, takes Sterling down, slams him on his head, and then takes his back. But Sterling reverses it into a single leg crackdown position and ends up on top. Now, he's not able to get anything meaningful done. Jan's able to get up rather quickly. Sterling scores some shots that are all pretty much largely blocked on the break. So he doesn't really get anything meaningfully done, but it served as an example as a reminder that there are ways for Sterling to still get to his grappling game because at the end of the day, no matter who's winning, Jan will grapple with him. He's shown that. Um, it's kind of a built-in thing with his style. He's got that, not just boxing, you know, he, uh, it doesn't list it on his profile, but I, I could have swore he had a judo black belt sometime or at least was credited coming up through judo, and you definitely see that um, with his styling. It's not a surprise with the region he fights from. Um... Also, shooting takedowns may force him, even if he gets sprawled out on, it's going to put him back to that fight-ending spot, which, you know, might give Jan some PTSD and in turn allow Sterling some rest time, right? Um, or time to capitalize on stuff. So shooting is still super important despite coming up short and getting shut down. He still needs to shoot. That being said, uh, unless he gets something meaningful to done in the first 10 minutes, and that's the same thing I said when I picked him in the first place, by the way. So even if that fight day prep or shakedown that Sterling was talking about, let's say I believe him, again, his, his cardio, it made it look better in the Pedro Munoz fight, but he was still barely holding on to a thread. And like you come rounds four and five, fighting at the pace of Yanez and, and a building pace nonetheless, um, and the counters and all the things that he's going to be able to do, yeah, it's... Sterling's got to get this done within the first 10. I don't think he can. And between that and the dynamic of Peter Yan trying to find a finish, but worried about, you know, getting disqualified again kind of a deal in weird positions and maybe Sterling smartly playing into that. 
Uh, I officially picked Peter Yan by decision, but I also think it's going to be one of those things where it could arguably be stopped in round, ra- you know, rounds in three, four, or five kind of a deal, and Sterling makes it. And I don't know if my guy Nixick's going to be in his corner, but if it's Longo and Sarah, well, Sarah won't be there because he's doing something for NYPD. It's like, dude, your fighters. What's more important, doing it, going to the NYPD's like. They they have a jujitsu team to teach cops how to strangle more, <laughs> or go to your guys' world championship fight. Um, I I will listen to that unfiltered podcast for interviews, and uh, Sarah said you know it was a prior commitment, but it's also it's just like, I don't. Hey, God bless the dude. Nothing wrong with the uh, with the devil's lettuce and living your life, but the, that guy's just is fucking out there, dude. I don't know what's going on. He's just barely like seems to know what's going on. Um, like Longo's the main guy, and like both of those guys didn't sound confident at all whenever they're talking about Peter Yan. Like around the Sanhagen time when that fight happened, they were just like, "Oh, like it sounded bad." I would have been mad if I was Sterling hearing both Longo, uh, whether it was on the Anakin Florian podcast or Sarah on Unfiltered, the waves they've talked because they've, of course, they're all on game time rah rah Aljo right now, but. They've almost they they said stuff that would have shook my confidence for sure if I was their fighter. Like you think that, or that's your attitude? That's your response. Um, and then secondly, and if that seems like I'm, I'm I'm throwing shade, it's because not so much Longo. He's a little more respectful about it, but Sarah especially because it was Longo and uh, Nick Sick in the corner. Um, I feel like they've been throwing shade at my guy Nick Sick, and you know, say, oh well, he, you know, Aljo the first fight he was working with another corner. And another coach, and over and and kind of saying everything but saying my guy Nick Six's name, and um, you know talking about well they don't know like we came up with the fighter and we're actually spending time in camp with them and now Aljo's gonna be with someone who was there in camp with them and it's just like and then and, and then Sarah's like well, wait but I'm not gonna be there the fight or anything oh so he's not gonna be there with someone who was in camp with him be honest, it doesn't even sound like you're in camp with him that much. It doesn't sound like you're informed. The questions you're asking for shit you should know for being his coach. Anyways, um, did not like that at all. Don't like any of that. And I've always had a soft spot for Matt Sarah, but uh, as the fighter, but listen to him do do media job, podcast job, jobs that I'm familiar with that I can maybe get a little more grasp and a grade on. It's tough. I'll just say that. I still like Ray Longo. He seems like more of an old school guy. Uh, probably wouldn't like a lot of these guys. Wouldn't like me much. Fighters or uh, you know, post fighters alike. Uh, who's this nerdy Asian guy? I think he is. But um, but yeah, um, I don't like I don't like the confidence that they didn't show for their fighter when no one was looking, so to speak. And um, I don't like the shade that they're throwing to one of the fucking most proven fucking cornermen and coaches out there. Um, you know, uh, my guy Eric. So, you know, wish Aljo the best. I think he's going to make it more competitive. Just don't think it's going to be enough. And if it gets bad, I, I don't trust Longo um, to stop it. I think, he, I think he's too old school. And I wouldn't trust Sarah if he was even there to stop it. That's all I'll say about that. Uh, next fight is Khamzat uh, Shemaev. I don't know what that was. I got to go down. They keep separating these, like... Really big fights. Um, 475, comeback on Gilbert Dorino Burns. 
350. Um, this is stay away, man. I'm actually picking comes out here. I know, I know. This is weird. This would be the one time, you know. It, it, the the value air quotes uh, on Burns for sure. I don't hate anybody doing that. You think that I would, especially you know. Again, you know, I always talk shit on everybody. You know, jerking off over cum shot. You know, and they are everybody just wanting to bet cum shot. Like, oh my god, oh I think you can get it. I think you can get it here. Oh, I want to get cum shot here. Oh, here you go. I'm just pumping like, come on, smash, smash. You know, looking like the, the fucking pawn shop owner in Pulp Fiction. Like, yeah. Yeah, I know everybody fucking can't stop spanking it over this guy, but he actually is good, folks. He actually is good. Um, not just the rumors, but if you read between the lines, the big question is, how does he take a shot? Um, he actually does take some hard shots in his amateur career, but like it's hard to see because it's like it's bad camera angles, and he's got that thing where it's like because I've seen him do it when the shot cl- when the punch clearly miss, but whether the punch lands on him or not, when punches get close slash someone's close enough to punch him. He knows he's close enough to shoot on you, um, which that is the rule. If you can reach out and touch someone, you can shoot on someone. That is kind of a, a general rule of thumb there, uh, as far as um, distance management from that from the wrestling perspective. Um, you know what kind of shots? Now you got to think about penetration steps and so forth. But as far as distance goes, um, and it's almost like uh, Hamzat uh, knows that because as soon as the punch comes and. It, it, sometimes it looks like it, it skims him. Sometimes it looks like it does hit him. Sometimes it looks like miss him completely. But right when it comes at his head, right when it's right there, he's changing levels and he's in. And he's initiating the takedown. So it's really tough to see. It's like, fuck, did, did he get stunned? Well, he he's not wobbly. He was able to get to his next thing. But it's, it's just so hard to even tell if he gets hit or not, much less stunned, you know? And he doesn't even get hit that much according to the statistics. So there's that. And then there's the gas tank thing. Now, the gas tank thing, I'm, I'm actually kind of suspecting that until he gets older and he's, and he's still cutting to welterweight, then you have to watch it for his gas tank. Otherwise, I think he's, um, they say skinny guys fight till they're burger. And I think um, he's not like skin and bones Jones, but he's 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 not like fueling muscles where Rogan's going to be out there with like, you know, his hard dick in one hand and a magnifying glass for gassing in the other going, oh, he's so muscly, but is he gassing? Right? Um, oh, wow, Dan, you were really, how many jerk-off analogies are you going to do on this podcast? Um, but, uh, but you know, I, 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 in a three-round fight, I, I'm not, not as concerned. Now, the layoff in the COVID, you know, uh, was a little more of a talking point with the Li Jing Liang. Um, he hasn't had any issues or any pullouts since then, so I got to imagine, you know, uh, he's feeling okay, but again, who the fuck really knows with this COVID stuff? It's still so it's still so new. Um, there are clearly multiple variations of of a long term and permanent damage this disease caused multiple groups of people around the world. I'm not gonna fucking pretend to know. Um, I will respect its possibility as I that's you know been my general approach to just COVID in general. Um, trying to respect. You know, um, respect the beast that it's reported. You know, re- reported to be. I get my vaccines for me. I I take it seriously. You know, uh, I I'm not discounting it or anything like that. But as far as what I'm reading, what I'm seeing, his training, his activity, um, the word in the gyms, this and that, like 
I don't I don't think that's going to be it. Does that mean he's going to win the fight? No, not necessarily. He could get knocked out still. He could get submitted. Legging tanglements are going to be something to watch. It's something Doreno Burns uh, goes to. Um, this was fun. I did something I wanted to do back when Burns fought Maya. I didn't get a chance to. But I actually went back and I watched, like, not everything, but I just went through his losses and certain stylistic matchups through his BJJ Heroes resume, um, Doreno Burns. And... You know, it was interesting. You know, the guys got some really good matchups and really good wins. You know, there are some longer guys, like, from bottom that were able to do stuff uh, early on in his career. Who was that gentleman? It's a really cool fucking match. Really cool sweep. I wanted to post it, too. Um, fuck. Oosh, was it? I don't even know anymore. Um, but then, like... Uh, you know he's got he's got losses to bigger guys like obviously Puchetcha and shit, um, but one of his more recent ones was the shit. Uh, it was on the Hulk Barbosa, Lucas Barbosa, um, RNC them and kind of smashed through him. That guy's legit. all the guys he's lost to. If you go and do your research, are super legit. You know, so he's been submitted before Burns, but I mean these are super legit guys in grappling. Um, Burns, super athletic, back taker, um, guard passer, uh, just really explosive stuff, but also very, uh, very technical. Looks like he's in the shape of his life, but he's not like a cardio machine. I know he goes through intense strength and conditioning stuff. Shouts to Danny Segura um, for that footage he got he got of his uh, workouts, and he he all he always does stuff like that though. Um, you know. Uh, Cardio is not exactly his thing. Like he went five rounds with Woodley, but that was that was freaking Woodley. You know, if you look at other things, um, he can go five hard and grapple. Like you know, uh, if he needs to, or three hard, um, like with Wonder Boy. Uh, but um, but even that, you know, that was Wonder Boy. And, and you know, when I watched Chimaev, not a lot of people were shooting on him, and I know it's hard to, to take from training footage, but. Amosov, not the biggest welterweight, but bigger than Burns. Um, not the best wrestler, but I would still say a better wrestler than Burns, although not a better submission grappler. Um, and Amosov's trying, you know, I don't know how hard he's trying to get into him. They've clearly, you know, went multiple rounds with other people before this, so you don't know how tired each guy is. But uh, Amosov looks like he's pushing hard, and Kamzat looks like, you know, he's just as sweaty. But he looks fresher, so they're, they're, that, that kind of lends to the cardio, you know, unless Kamzat jumped in, you know, and only is like two rounds deep and, and you know, uh, in the shark tank or whatever, and the other dude's four. But it just looked like a group thing where they all started and interchanged at the same time. And he looked fresher. But more importantly was he wasn't letting Amosov, and then looking fresher and not letting Amosov take him down or much less even get in on him was how he was denying him, which was risk controls. Again, um shutting down the takedowns before they even get started. And that's absolutely what you got to do to a guy like Burns. Not just to not end up on bottom, but, again, Burns is a guy that will turn to Phil's shot and can, can you know, drop back into a leg lock, yeah, you know, uh, um, you know, from, from standing and, and dropping down if, if he wants to. So you really got to stop any kind of momentum or stickiness or stick to... Uh, stick-to-itiveness that the person is trying to uh, generate uh, right off the bat by, by, by denying the grips, and that's what Hamzat does. And as far as the leg attacks and entanglements that I would worry about um, if he did grapple with Burns, 
that I know Burns will go for. Um, is it's like you you hope that he's training with jujitsu people that are training him for leg locks and this and that. And yeah, I guess Russian base, you know, even though he's not a sambo guy, he's went with a lot of sambo guys, a lot of sambo and judo, which means. You know, um, at least some basic forms of leg locks floating around a lot of the Russian regions and whatnot. So you got to imagine he's come up and he's seen them and this and that. And I think he's very aware of them because even though we don't see him in leg entanglements per se, um, which is a good thing, part of the reason is, is even when he's riding, he looks, he's very aware. If you look at where he's, he's, he's crossing his shin, like the little, it's the little details. It's the little placements of where people put their put their put, put their body parts when they're grappling that really speak loudly to me. And Hamzat's leg work, standing in transition on the ground riding, his leg work looks really impeccable. And that doesn't mean he still can't get caught in a scramble, folks, you know, and it's like Las Vegas, you know, when you're rolling leg locks with a volatile MMA and good grapplers. I mean, of course he can get submitted. You, your luck can change that fast in this town. But yes, good leg play and good leg work, especially while riding, can mitigate a lot of those reversals. So that was one thing I looked at. And just in general, his proprioception is just insane. Um, Peter Yan and Chemayev's proprioception, um, probably some of the best in this card as far as seeing shots and this and that. Um, Volkanovski's decent. It's more of process-based and well-trained tactics, strategies, all these things mixed in. His athleticism. But as far as like just being able to see shit and snatch it out of the air, grab a wrist, land a punch, intercepted shin kind of shit. Like, Chemayev and Jan, it's like freaky looking. We have much more of a sample size of Jan doing it, obviously. But even in the little samples of, of, of Chemayev, you know, Kumshat's got some, you know... He's got good aim. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, I'm actually going to pick him here. I think he can knock out Burns on the feet. He can also get knocked out too, sure. But I, I think he can knock out Burns on the feet. Um, and uh, when it does go to the ground, I think he can float. And he just does a lot of punching and floating and stuff. And that's, you know, um, and I think that's going to really make, it, make a real difference maker is the ground and pound. And um, it wouldn't be smart to go into it while Burns is fresh, especially in the first round or dry. But uh, if it gets later into the first or he hurts him and then well into the second, um, I think he can ground and pound him out of there too. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, Chimaev by second round um, TKO. I would love to see it go the distance. I would love to see it at least go to the third round. And, of course, I, I, I would not be mad at all for an upset. I ain't going to be laying the chalk on Shamaya, but he is my pick. Um, hearts with Burns and you Burns betters out there. Uh, if you're taking that shot, but I think Shamaya gets this done. So I'm going with him. Uh, next, Mackenzie. Uh, I got to say that. I love how comes out was uh, giving Burns shit for crying. And I, I, I'm a big crybaby, especially as I'm older now. And head trauma, a mix of both of things. I'm like, I cry like it's so many movies now. So I'm not hating by any means. Uh, I don't, I'm not a badass like Gilbert Burns. Um, but I do love it because it's just like that's that's kind of the uh, uh, the spirit behind my Duhino thing is like because I just, whether he's winning or losing, like back in his jujitsu games or MMA, like he's always crying. And like the fact that his name is a little tough one, I'm like, 
Oh, yeah, I could totally see, like, Dorino, like, when you're, like, hanging out with the kids. He's the kid that was, like, always, like, yeah, yeah, he's excited to play the game, but he's also, the you know, excited to do the sleepover or start the prank, but he's also the first one to, 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 first one to fall asleep, first kid to cry, you know. Uh, so that's kind of. Where I say that, I know it makes no sense. Neither does me going, Mackenzie Dern, minus 120 versus Tisha Torres, plus 100. Um, I got Torres here, man. Again, not Mackenzie Dern doesn't do open shots in the open. And more importantly for Tisha is how most of Tisha Torres's takedowns that you see scored on her, it's because people catch her kicks, um, that side kick in particular. I hope she's smart enough to shelve it. I know Tisha's made, you know, a questionable decision. She'll go for late round takedowns and will like almost end if like an opponent goes for a late round takedown on her. She'll like let them advance position, like being confident. There's only five seconds left, which this is like maybe the one matchup you don't want to do that against. So if you're playing off those angles, I get you. But Tisha Torres, criminally underrated. Um, her lot, her notable losing streak came to obviously the best, but you also have to keep in mind she was finishing up a master's program. You also have to keep in mind that she was also in mid-transition from states to gyms, leaving American Top Team, which had a big female stable, to now a much uh, developed stable, but it wasn't at the time with Raquel Pennington, and now you got like a bunch of girls that cross-trained all up in that Denver area. Wasn't as populated during this uh, multiple-facet transitionary time against tough competition so of course torres treats and reminds the masses by treating opponents accordingly that were not her level um and then even just you know wipes the floor with angela hill um and Dern, man she doesn't catch kicks enough um and she's shown that you know uh blue belt or purple belt or whatever um uh, in uh what do you call uh, Marina Rodriguez could survive? I think uh, the blue or purple belt or whatever Torres is. It doesn't really matter. She's had that rank forever. It's not representative like many MMA fighters. Um, I think she's good enough to survive if she gets on the ground. I also think her short stature will make her harder to take down. But since Dern is not that much taller, though she will definitely be the bigger girl. I'm not denying that. It won't be to a crazy degree. Not that that's ever really stymie Torres anyways. So we're going to have a lot of volume. Uh, it was a really bad fight for Mackenzie Dern. You know, we're going to have to see her mentally bounce back. And physically, she's not going to have the small cage like she did last time. It's going to be the big cage, which is going to favor Tisha. It's only three rounds. Um, so Tisha maybe drops one round uh, if, if Mackenzie can make it close with the striking and, and you know, hold, hold back control or something, get it back toward the end of a round and hold it out. Uh, and Tisha survives, loses the round, comes back and takes the rest. Um, we saw that. I mean, we saw that with Van Buren, where she probably still won and should have won the round against Van Buren, but spent a lot of get uh, again up against the cage. And so, you know, Dern, I could see Dern doing that, but she's not as good or as strong as Van Buren. So if Van Buren couldn't get anything going, I don't think uh, Dern will. So even if Dern wants to fight smart and go, you know, I need to stop focusing on boxing. I'm going to go back to, got to get back to my grappling. And to get that, I need wrestling. Um, it would do her a disservice because she would use the bulk of her gas tank there. As we saw when she grapples and scrambles hard for a round, she almost got finished in the very next round. She needed like two rounds to recover. So her gas tank isn't like exactly impeccable either. She cuts much more weight 
And I know she's gotten that under control, but at the same time, she's doing like, you know, more strength and muscle stuff. She had that big fire hose arm guy from Jim X in Brazil. I think he's like friends with Megaton, her dad or whatever. So like that and Perillo and the jiu-jitsu dad is a training camp. So the steroid strength and conditioning dude, the same jiu-jitsu dad coach, that's always a great idea, right? Let's just stick to your strength and work within family. That that That's always a great recipe. Um, actually, it's not bad, but you know what I mean. It also can be really bad too. You get if you get what I'm saying. Um, not that 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 is, or it's a problematic relationship. Like uh, you know, we'll talk about another one maybe on this card. But I'm just saying, like if you're expecting like a different Dern, it looks like she's doing the same shit. Is what I'm trying to get at. So I don't know if we're gonna see. Even if she does want to go get at it to more wrestling, I don't see any wrestlers. I don't see any other females. I don't see any new training partners. I don't see shit except for the same stuff she always does. You know, so. I don't know about that. Uh, I took Torres here. Um, I didn't, I couldn't get her at plus money any of the houses I was at, and I think this goes to the decision anyway. So I just put three quarter unit on Torres by decision at plus one sixty. Get a nice plus number for sure there. Uh, Torres isn't a finisher, and Dern is tough to finish. So yeah, I feel like it's it's one of the safer decision props and one of two that I played. Um, probably guess the other one. All right, next is. Uh, Vince from here, Pichel, minus 125. Mark O'Madson. Water, please, someone, get me some water. I would like water. I am in Arizona, training with fight ready. And Sokudo, it's very good. Gives me lots of water. Oh, sorry. Um, Mark Madsen um, likes water and Greco wrestling. Um... Maybe he'll throw more leg kicks because that's like the improvement that people, that and wrestling and strength and conditioning are the improvements when people go to fight ready. He already has the wrestling. Um, his conditioning's not not too bad. Like he's, he's able to go three rounds. Um, I know he's had a little bit of sketchy moments in that Hubbard fight, but I don't even know if it was grappling as much as a hard fight and Hubbard was actually landing some hard shots. Was able to create those kind of uh, crazy moments as well when, uh, I mean, math means a shit when Hubbard fought uh, Pichel as well. Um... But Michelle, I think he needs has the wrestling advantage to win fights, and he's not going to have that. And he really likes likes to work in the clinch and defends stuff in the clinch much more poorly. Uh, he defends like traditional singles and doubles actually much better. Michelle does than he does clinch stuff. So yeah, that that seems to all favor Matson. So I'm going to pick Matson here, but at just barely plus money, it's not enough. It's not enough for me to play him. If I got him at plus one fifty five, I would probably sprinkle on him. Like a lot of you, he seems to be the popular dog of the week this week. I'm with you. I'm picking him. But it just seems like it's going to be a close blood and guts fight. It's definitely going to come down to it's to one and one going into the third or some kind of a swing round, right? Um, and Bichelle's never lost a decision, but I'm picking him to lose the decision here. So uh, we'll see. We'll see if that, that happens. I don't think O'Madson will, will submit him. I think the front headlock's going to be live. Uh, Bichelle's a black belt and experienced um, but he does give his back and turtling. And again, I don't think Madsen's a back taker, but he's a front headlock guy. Even with his wrestling days, he almost looked like he was trying to hit submissions on dudes from the front headlock. So um, expect Vince Pichel to get front headlocked a lot if these guys grapple, get taken down and front headlocked. But um, it's going to be a dirty, gritty scrap that you're going to be sweating no matter what side you're on. So I'm probably just going to sit out since there's not enough of a good price tag either side, in my opinion. But I wish you the best if you took a side. Um, Ian Gary. Hi, Gary. Minus 380. Darian Weeks plus 290. Um, 
I didn't care about this fight. This line is way too inflated. I'm going to pick Gary, but Weeks feels like he's live. I think he's only like lists himself as a blue belt in jiu-jitsu, whereas like Gary, I think, is a black belt in judo who's got boxing experience. But he kind of tries to be too slick, maybe thinks he's a little better than he is. Got marked up really bad, as we saw. But he also didn't break, and ha- you know he had the, the resolve to figure things out. So you got to give him credit there. Um, I'll pick him here, you know, training with Sanford MMA. But Darian Weeks does some interesting stuff from what I can remember. I didn't take this fight because I didn't target it. Forgive me, folks. But I remember him going to the body and some other things. And aside from the blue belt in jiu-jitsu, he lists for himself. He lists a lot of really uh, solid boxing uh, inspirations, which makes more sense from some of the looks. I remember him giving Barbarena. Uh, But I'm going to pick Ian Gary. Fucking stay away. Hype train. Next is... uh, Fantasy Jewish Rosenstruck. Minus 155 or minus 135. Like Oh, sorry. Um saw a picture Deborah shopping at Whole Foods when I saw him that one day and this the way he was looking at a beer was like you know, like if I haven't seen my girlfriend in a week, I'm like, you know, it was like Tabura looked like he really wanted to get in that beer. Or easy, Dan, easy. Uh <laughs> Jesus. Um, I really wanted to pick Tabura here, actually. Um, you know, we've seen him have to survive the storm and take down the striker, and Rosenstruck is garbage off his back. He was in Japan, and he was, as of the last time I can remember, against Curtis Blades. Um, the problem is getting him there. Tabura, not the best wrestler. This isn't the small cage. And, you know, Rosenstruck isn't exactly the, the, the savviest striker as he can be Rosenstruck, but he will throw if the other guy throws. He doesn't create counters very well, but he can counter. And counter punching, particularly left hooks, seem to always hit Deborah from like everybody who throws them. And I couldn't unsee that when I went back to look as I was looking for an excuse to pick. Maybe even play Deborah, but I couldn't even justify the pick here. I think he's going to walk into a counter. I hope he doesn't. My heart's with Deborah. My heart's with the betters here because this is dog or pass territory for sure. Um, but I'm passing, and I'm picking Rosenstrach. Um, next fight, Mike Malott, minus 170. Mickey Gall, plus 150. Um, I've been trying to mitigate my timeline to not see plays, but yes, sometimes I still see plays from the old home button or otherwise. And I feel like uh, Gall seems like a, a dog, popular dog too, so I was like, well, let's look to see. Maybe there's something I like, and I can jump in on this. There's still, there's still meat on the bone at plus 150, but... You know, uh, despite Gall training at uh, Sanford MMA as well, it looks like he only did a few weeks there, so I don't know how much of a change we can expect. And even though he's shown gameness, like he's not going to break, you know, he's got the mental part there, right? Like the Ian Gary, he still gets hit and dropped by, like, jabs and stuff. And, um, you know, if someone wants to take him down, they can control him. He's not a game-over grappler in that sense. They're both black belts, but Mike Malott might have been a black belt longer and was like training for ADCCs and stuff. Uh, Shasta James Lynch was listening to that interview. Mike Malott was kind of going into depth what he was doing when he wasn't competing in MMA. He actually fell in love with grappling until he fell back in love with MMA through coaching. And as a guy on the outside who likes to think that, you know, I can come back in and surprise people or this or that, maybe it's a little bit of that and seeing this dude do it on an actual high fucking level. Um... You know, my heart's with him there. I was going to pick Mickey Gull because he's more proven in the UFC by by sheer numbers. But Malat's been, it's tricky. Malat's been doing it a lot longer MMA-wise. Even before MMA, he competed in kickboxing, uh, 
got the equivalent of like what a black belt would be. I know kickboxing technically doesn't have ranks, but um, well, it shows to me that he's put that time in uh, from Muay Thai to kickboxing. And from that, I think that's why the wrestling translated better. And that is definitely, uh, which I agree with him on, um, an area that he's better on goal on, which would be huge, whether he wants to take it to the ground or not, or keep it standing. Um, so I think he's going to have more options. Um, and, uh, again, Mickey Gall may be a gas tank, not as bad as we thought, but again, still not a cardio machine per se. So, um, yeah, uh, give him a lot. I think this fight, uh, he likes to go for the finish, but I think this fight's going to be long. We're going to find out a lot about both guys and this is a find out spot for me. So I'm staying away and I'm picking him a lot, but I think it could go long if there's a plus money angle for that. Um, Aspen Lad plus 155, Raquel Pennington minus 180. Uh, Raquel Pennington, not on super short notice, but somewhat short notice. And now you can see why, because her, her her girlfriend, um, are they married? Wife? I'm not sure. Uh, Tisha Torres is on this card, so they get to train together. It makes sense. And Raquel Pennington passed the test when someone came in short notice on her, um, which was nice. And why not do that again? Because this seems just like a bad matchup. Um, she's better than Norma Dumont, um, can counter in combination, um, has mean bulldogs, guillotines, RNCs. So in other words, any bad shot or giving your head, uh, in any overcommitted form, Raquel could put you away, which make make Lad, who is often hesitant anyways, and often slow, even regardless of her last fight and how poorly it was handled. Um, to get to her grappling sometimes, at least early, and this is only a three-round fight, not a five-round fight. Yeah, I think Pennington can for sure get two rounds in the bag. Um, I wouldn't be the most surprised if she finished, uh, but I would also have to imagine Lad's confidence has to be complete. Would have the main her confidence, which could be, uh, would have to be completely shot after the last thing. And Lad, like Dern, doesn't look to have changed up anything as far as how they get ready for fights. So I don't like that. Um, the, the takedowns that I saw Lad get, if she's able to even get Pennington, well, I don't think she can hold her down. And I don't think she'll be able to get her down. Pennington's pretty thick and athletic herself, deceptively so. Um, so the size or strength, I don't even think should be an issue. And yeah, she's going to put numbers on her, and she hits a lot more harder and emphatic even than um, Norma Dumont. So I think just a couple of those, even if Lad comes in confident, Will bring, will shake that. Con- you just, I think Pennington just hit her a couple times, take the confidence out of her, and then she should roll throughout the rest of the fight. Probably the decision. So I play Pennington by decision only at one house because only one house. Like one house is minus one thirty, another house is plus one ten. So I put three quarter units uh, on by decision at plus one ten. And in case she does get the finish, last so I could play her in the other house, I actually parlayed her with someone uh, on the card uh, for a unit. So. That's uh, that's my play there. Um, yep. All right. Um, Jared Ayavendera, give me sight beyond sight. Minus one fifteen. Alexi, uh, so many ways to spell the last name Olenek. Uh, minus one hundred five. Um, I'm actually going with Olenek here. He opened as the favorite. Money came in on Vandera, but Vandera is taking this fight only on like a week or so notice, and I don't think a lot of people realize that. Um, Olenek, you know, he was supposed to face Latifi and was bounced around and whatnot. Um, so he was prepared, you know, uh, the possibility to do some striking, but this is a guy that's much more t- takedownable. 
Uh, and when he gets, gets taken down, Vandera goes to all fours to give his back, which opens up ride positions if like you're a Romanoff type guy or another wrestler. Um, opens up back takes if you're agile. Not a lot of back takers at heavyweight, but turtling also opens up front headlocks. And that is something that only knows how to use with his long arms. I, I could see him getting some kind of anaconda or Ezekiel when uh, Vandera goes to get up. Uh, Vandera can keep pace, as we saw, but he's not the fastest guy in the world either. Um, he's not a knockout hitter. Um, he's actually shown he can be rocked uh, as well and knocked out. Um, he got rocked by Huck Orlovsky, rocked him a good couple of times. I know he went to a split on paper, but that was that rocket scientist judge who threw off another fight uh, that night as well. In other words, it shouldn't have been a split, you know? That was another one I think some people came like, oh, you got to bounce through Orlovsky. I'm like, what bounce? It was like, he fucking, he should have clearly won that fight going into it, and he clearly did win that fight. What bounce, you know? Um, and Vandera, a better striker than giving credit for, but the guy's got a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt and just you know, just looks god-awful on bottom. And I think that's where he's going to end up being here. Even in Olenek's last fight, he's 100 years old and stuff, and and um, going against Spivak, who has, you know, uh, shown his worth, right? Um, even in that fight, like, he was able to get Spivak down um, at the end of the first and take the first round. And then even the second, like, he was just content on, he went for a takedown, ended up on bottom, and he was overconfident that he could reverse. And he actually did reverse about a minute left. It just wasn't enough to take that round, and then he loses the third round. But even in the third round, like, he, he looks tired and slug, but that's Olenek, he's old. He looks like that from the start. Um, and he's still able to rock guys, you know, from the Travis Brown to uh, Verdum and stuff like that. Like, you look at the guys he's beaten, even at his advanced age, and this is heavyweight, you know. And Vandera is jumping into this last minute, whereas Olenek's been in camp. You know, he's had three pullouts, and I believe only one of them was him. Uh, the first one, like, all the way back last year. The last two, the one toward the end of last year and the beginning of this year, um, was not due to him. So the guy's been... been uh, in shape and uh, the opposite, you know, um, where Vandera may, okay, maybe he's got a little bit less bumps and bruises, I guess, but he, he's not prepared for, for fight shape. He's got to grapple hard for a round. Even if he's winning, he may be worse tired than Olenek has come the second round. Then what? Right? The guy's been submitted before. Again, just because he's a Brazilian just a black belt, it's heavyweight. And it's, I don't, I don't know what, he doesn't really show much of it, you know, and even his wrestling coach fucking is always getting mad at him because he's never doing anything they train. Because he's supposed to have some wrestling too. Like his best thing is the thing that he doesn't, doesn't have the experience in, which is striking. Um, could he win? And could he win from striking? Sure. Sure he can. But I stylistically, level, even at this stage, especially short notice, give me a Linux and, you know, minus 105 plus 100 isn't enough to play him. But... You know, plus 140 inside the distance. I know I could have got a plus 160 for submission, but that's only a 20 cents difference. And Olenek can hit hard. And again, fucking uh, Vandera is showing that he can be knocked out too. Um, so I just took the inside the distance line at, at only half a unit at plus 140, but that's what I played. Olenek plus 140, um, half a unit. Um, I'll, I'll recap my uh, props and what, what you can get if you parlay them too, by the way. Uh, all right, next fight, um, Anthony Fluffy Hernandez, uh, Josh Fremd, plus 160, Hernandez minus 190. I'm going to pick Hernandez. I did not look into this fight at all. 
Um, Hernandez recently earned his brown belt, as he should for submitting Adolfo Vieira, whereas Fremd is like only listed as a purple or a blue belt. Uh, both guys like to scrap. I'll go with a more experienced guy who's a better grappler, Hernandez. Um, Kay Hansen, minus 110. Piero Rodriguez, minus 110. Dead even. Doesn't really moved off from that. I don't feel confident picking this fight. Didn't look at Piero Rodriguez's undefeated record. Um, but it looks like uh, she might want to strike with Hansen. But then again, Hansen, who gets kind of, you know, she's well-rounded, but, you know, at least in my mind, was more of a grappling top player against the cage stuff. Um, it was her best suit, but she can strike. And oddly enough, uh, once she got to her striking in her last fight, did some of her best work. So hard to say. I'll go with Hansen. Not confident at all. Big time, big time avoid. Um, lastly, but not leastly, Julio Arce, minus 190, Daniel Santos, plus 160, full admission, was barely able to find anything on this Santos cat, aside from that he looks like he's a good striker who could strike in combination, um, can even fight in a bit of some of extended combinations, uh, comes from that shootbox Diego Lima, trains with the guys like, you know, uh, you know, idolizes Dubronx, of course, but trains more guys like Bantamwitz his age with, uh, Tomas Almeida, Tominas, um, but he hasn't fought for two and a half years. Has had a bunch of cancellations, and um, is fighting a southpaw. And I don't think that camp does well against southpaws. Uh, Almeida got fucking worked against Jonathan Martinez, and I'm pretty sure like every other southpaw he fit he ever faced. Um, their style, uh, not a lot of southpaws at that camp. Um, their style doesn't seem to work great for southpaws. Like. Um, I, I actually think like you know again I'm I'm of the camp that I'm like I don't know why everybody th- I would I'll give give me mock give me a Dubronx Makachev all day I'll take Dubronx all day um, because I think that you know everyone's like oh Gaethje uh, Makachev like I'll take Dubronx against both those guys I think RDA and Benil Daryush are tougher matches to Dubronx than Gaethje or Makachev uh, and again coincidentally those guys are southpaws I know Makachev is a southpaw too but you know. Yeah. It's not really his strength. Um, and he doesn't have a... He's not like a big hard left kick guy either. Um, and uh, Arce can counter. And, you know, yeah, he got... I know he got ice going down 135, but that was Song Yadong. That was Song freaking Yadong, a genetic freak. I know that stupid fucking Oasis MMA account or whatever um, had that stupid racist, cynophobic post saying, like, Chinese people, men are weak or some shit like that or whatever. Uh, or Chinese or something like we Yeah, yeah. yeah fucking song Yudong, but uh, uh, just a name off the top of my head. But he, that's Yudong, right? And then if you look at before, like, split decisions, he could have had an argument for winning against Shaman. Shaman. Come on, Shaman. Old school throwback. Uh, and um, who was the other good striker uh, that he lost the uh, split? Oh, Hakeem Duodu. And I go, oh, those are Muay Thai guys, which kind of goes against what I said. Um but again, not not from that 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 same camp. And again, those were matchups that could have gone his way too. And the thing I like here that, you know, I think Santos Daniel Santos. I think he's like a he recently got his purple belt, um, not too long ago. So he and he he claims to have ten amateur fights, so it doesn't show up on any of the record bodies. Um, maybe that's what he claims were his amateur Muay Thai fights. I'm not sure how he might have conflated those or worded it funny. Maybe it is ten amateur Muay Thai fights. And I could buy that. He looks like he's got some of that experience for sure. But Arce's, you know, fought kickboxing, golden gloves, glory. Uh, I think he's done some Muay Thai himself. And his back pocket here is that Arce can grapple. 
you know, a lot of the uh, quiet wrestling ability, the Tiger Showman camp. And Arce came maybe not as much of a defensive wrestling or offensive wrestling as some of the other guys, but I actually maybe offensive wrestling as far as willing because he, even though he doesn't have the athleticism to finish and drive through his shots, he is excellent at turning the corners, getting up on a back in the blink of an eye. And even if he can't get the choke, he'll get that body triangle, triangle and ride out around. So even if this Daniel Santos kid comes out and is overwhelming him, I think Arce is going to be able to change gears and either counter him, uh, grapple him, and then that'll take a lot of the steam out. And yeah, imagine this kid is young, Daniel Santos. He's coming off a two-and-a-half-year layoff, and he's making his UFC de- debut. And he's not just doing it in the pandemic era where you get, like, you know, fucking Joe's hot dog guy in a quiet arena that feels like a sparring session uh, to break you in. No, you get Julio fucking Arce, who's uber-experienced, and you get fucking a loud, raucous-ass American, uh, pro-American arena like the Star Veterans Memorial is going to be cheering for the American more than likely in Arce. Um, so, yeah, there's probably going to be a dump, especially if he can't knock Arce out, even though only three of his eight wins are in the first round. So it's not like this guy's a massive first-round finisher, but that's when you got to come out, or at least the beginning of this, the very beginning of the second round, like Yadong did after you know letting Arce up for the whole round. You know, which again, that's, that's a big ass to do, but it, yeah, okay, it can be done. Um, this kid can win, and it'll be blown up, and maybe it'll be good. Maybe he's the real deal, or whatever. And you got the oh Charles Oliveira uh, camp from Diego Lima, even though there's plenty of people that have come from that camp. It's not like they've got like some great track record or whatever. But you could totally see it happening. But again, this will be a spot where uh oh, am I talking myself into it? It'd actually be bad for this kid won this one. He needs to get in, get in there and fight firstly and foremostly. But uh, you beat a guy like Julio Arce in this division, you know. Um, no, then you better be fucking really good because it's, it's, you know, it's, it's going to be not going back down for you. So for all these reasons, um, again, it's not a lot of hardcore analysis for a play, much less a parlay piece, but I will admit I am biased toward Julio RSA style. I like it very much. I wanted to play him. This is a, a dangerous fight, but also a fight that we could look back in hindsight and be like, this was actually a really good price. It was just more Julio Arce coming off a loss and facing an unknown what kept most people away. And the reason why the line has only fluctuated no more than 30 cents or so. Uh, for that reason, it's hard to pick out Arce is going to get it done because he's just coming in here. I like the way he sounds in interviews, by the way. He's sounding focused. He's going to just, you know, exercise his veteran savvy, make sure he gets the win. So I'm not going to place a prop play, but he will be the second leg with Pennington uh, for one unit at plus 137. All right, so I'll recap that. Um, So, yeah, I'm taking Pennington and RSA for the parlay plus 137 at one unit. Uh, Taking Volk inside the distance plus 160 at one unit. Taking Pennington by decision plus 110 three-quarter unit. Torres by decision plus 160 half unit. Olenek inside the distance plus 140 half unit. If you parlay all three of those props, it's plus 3307. I put 17.17 U on that, so that's just like 17 bucks, just a real small change. Um, if that hits, what I would recommend, since my dumbass still hasn't been able to find a a, a, a good house for round robins, is you round robin those four props because I think three of them have a good chance of hitting. For sure. Uh, not for sure. Nothing's for sure. But you know what I mean? I, I, I feel confident. I mean, I feel confident enough that I parlayed my own money on four. 
um, of course I can tell you with a little more confidence that or feeling a little better about it at least uh, if you have a, if you take those same four and don't parlay them like I did round robin them that's where the money's at shout out to my guy Brad's check um, round robin those uh, and recapping the picks apologies this was a long episode um, recapping picks taking Volkanovski over Jung taking Jan over Sterling taking Torres over Dern taking Matson Water over Pichel, taking Gary over Weeks, taking Rosenstrach over Tybura, taking Malott over Gall, taking Pennington over Ladd, taking Olenek over Ayavendera. Give me sight beyond sight. Taking Hernandez over Fremd, taking Hansen over Rodriguez, taking Arce over Santos. All right, sorry for the long episode, folks. Good luck with your picks and plays. You can support this uh, free show uh, at MixedMartialAnalyst.com, although I don't deserve it for the long episode and uh, delay and missing the shows. But there are PayPal links there as well as in my Linktree bio at DanTomMMA if you want to support this podcast. It's free. Don't charge anything. Um, and uh, I give you what I got as, uh, for, for most weeks of the year. Almost all of them. Um, yeah, and then the, you, know, you can always use the click-throughs for shitty companies like Amazon or whatever on there, um, or just share at the PYM podcast, follow at Dan Tom MMA here. Uh, good luck on your picks and plays. Sorry if I missed anything, any questions, any shouts. I, I really love you guys. Thank you guys for your support. The only reason why I keep doing it, uh, I want you guys to win as bad as I want to win. Good luck and always protect your neck.